Yes, we'll be thinking of the first Thanksgiving tonight. That's going to be our topic. But what we're doing is we're going to read a few verses in John and the chapter 16. So in John chapter 16, and it's our Savior speaking, and He's coming towards the end of His ministry on earth and approaching the cross. The cross is really just around the corner. And here's what He says, "'For the Father Himself loveth you, because ye have loved Me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world. Again I leave the world, and go to the Father.' His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. And isn't it comforting to know that we belong to the Lord? Whatever comes our way, trial, trouble, all of that, we can say as Jesus did, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Final verse, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye shall have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And those words in the final verse, we'll put them up on screen after a little while and you'll be able to follow them better then. Uh, that's what we're going to be thinking about here tonight. But just before we bring the Lord's message Let's bow again, please, in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that has happened in this meeting already. We praise you, Lord, for the boys, girls, young people that have taken part and have done so well in presenting this program about the harvest. And we know that God is faithful, and we have all the tokens and the signs physically in front of us in the church here tonight, whereby thou was given a harvest again. And we thank Thee for Thy promise back in the book of Genesis that summer and winter and seed time and harvest would not fail, and that Thy hand would be upon us in blessing and in grace. Now give us attention as we listen to Thy Word tonight, and may it be of real benefit unto all of our hearts. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen. Now, it may well be the case that what I'm going to put up on screen here, you'll be able to recognize and think, ah, I know them because I have seen pictures like that before. I imagine you've seen them somewhere. Uh, they would have called them the pilgrims and the founding fathers of America and all of that. Now, no pilgrim would be complete without a... The clue is down here, it's orange and it's not an orange itself. Have we a hand? Yeah. A pumpkin, absolutely. So can we get uh, some of these ones? Yeah, there's a couple with nigh pumpkins, and they were called the pilgrims. Pilgrims. Now, when I talk about the pilgrims, when I'm thinking about them, I always think of a boat or of a ship. 
And the ship was called, anybody know? The Mayflower. And it left England and went over to what they called the New World, American. And that was away back in the 1600s. And that's the story that we're going to tell tonight. So it was in the year 1620 that it sailed out of Plymouth, September of that year, 1620, and it left English shores. On board there were 102 passengers and also 30 members of crew just to keep them all in place and get the ship sailing properly right across the Atlantic. They were looking for a new home in a new land because over in England, the Church of England was saying, unless you worship according to the way we want you to worship, then we don't regard your worship as true worship at all. And they thought the church there is not what we want to be part of. It's compromised. It's even beginning to be somewhat corrupt. And so they were going to go and begin their own church somewhere else. And so the journey began. But you know what? It didn't begin initially to America. That came later. It rather began and went to Europe. And we're talking to the Netherlands, or as other people call it, the country of Holland. Now, a lot of the people who went there would have been from Nottinghamshire in England, and over to the Netherlands they go, and they reckon, you know what, this is a perfect place for us to settle build up our families, and join together in worship in a new church. But things didn't work out for them just in the way that they had hoped. A couple of problems. They struggled to find decent work that would pay all of their bills, and no doubt we're finding the same problem in our land again today. And then some of the people, they looked around them and they thought, you know what? Being with you, gang, is a wee bit boring. There's more excitement out there. We're going to leave you. And so they did, and the number of them became rather less. But what they decided was, we're going to have to get out of the Netherlands. This isn't working well for us. Out of Holland, back to England just for a little time. But their eye now was looking further, further afield. And they're looking to what's called the New World, away across the Atlantic, now the United States of America, and they believe we can start afresh there, build up our families and our homes and our communities, and we can worship the Lord freely. Now, they were supported and funded, and that's the ship, R.A remodel of the ship uh, that was made for 400 years down the line when they were celebrating the 400th anniversary, this ship, the Mayflower, was made again. And you know what? It left England and it sailed to America just as it had the original one 400 years before. Wealthy London merchants were behind these men and women, and he thought, this is a good project. And what you'll do is you go over to Virginia, to the Virginian company, land there, establish your colony. And so they sailed out, as we've said, off Plymouth in September of 1620 to that new world. Now, of the 20 women that was on ship that day out of 102 passengers, three of them were pregnant. One baby was born at sea on the 66 days of the voyage, and they called it Oceanus. I don't imagine anybody here is called Oceanus. I know that somebody was called Sky, maybe not here tonight, but uh, not an Oceanus. I've never met them in my life, but that baby born at sea was called by that name. They arrived in America, they set up in time a village, and they called it after the name of the place he had sailed from, Plymouth, 
not very inventive, but there you go. So, leaving Plymouth in England, getting to this village that they created in America, and they called it Plymouth as well, and it was in Massachusetts. And here they go, coming on to land, but that really wouldn't be the full story if you look at what's happening there. They had a bountiful harvest, and we are celebrating the harvest, and we've got all of these things, and I'm trying to be careful not to knock them off. Not that there's, I mean, there were tin cans on here yesterday, and I thought that would be sublime weaponry for somebody that's not listening. All of a sudden, boom, down it goes, and that person would either be knocked out, or they would really perk up. But they've moved the cans and are not allowing me to do that. So they had a harvest, and they brought in all of this material that you see here in front of you today, and they called it a great time of thanksgiving. And it was known as the first Thanksgiving in America. It lasted for three full days. Now, that's a story way, way back in the past, 400 years have come and gone since then. To be exact, 402 years have come and gone since then, and we're going to tonight explore their story. Now, I wonder how we'll dig into the story and get some details about what happened back then. Thankfully, for that entire journey, 66 days, there was a man on board, and he kept a journal. He wrote a book, and we have that book even today. The book belonged to William Bradford. He was a farm boy initially from Yorkshire, but in time, when he went to America, he became the governor of this new colony that they set up in America. And his journal that he wrote on the crossing and then later years in America, it's described as one of the great books of American history. And he was the only one to give a first-hand account of that momentous voyage at least the account that lasts until this day. But you know what? People didn't know about it. And it was kept hidden for about 200 years, no less. And it was held in the library, gathering dust of the Bishop of London. And eventually, only eventually after 200 years, it came to see the light of day again. And it's a long read. I don't know if you're into big books, but that has 580 pages in this particular journal by William Bradford. So we can learn a lot from his book. But of course, the main book that we have in church, the one that is our standard of faith and practice alone is another book, and it's called the Bible. It is God's holy word. And as I was reading through all the background story of the pilgrims getting on the Mayflower and colonizing that part of America in Massachusetts there, what kept coming back to me was a verse out of the Bible, and we read it tonight. And we're going to put it up now on screen that you can follow it. John 16, the verse 33, Jesus speaking and saying, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, as we indicated during our Bible reading, our Lord spoke these words when he was about to go on a journey. He was traveling. 
and he was traveling all the way to the cross at Calvary. That was a difficult, even a horrible voyage, where because of the sin of man and under the lash and the scorn of man, he would die to provide salvation for all who would after believe on his name. So, given the fact he's about to go off in this huge, momentous journey, the words that he spoke, they're good for us as we try to, in our day, navigate the sometimes rather difficult journey of life. So, the first main thing we're talking about tonight is the problems and pain in this world, and that's a little picture on a stained glass window of the Mayflower ship that we have there. It'll come up again. The problems and pain in this world. And why do we talk about that? Because that's what our Lord mentioned here. In the world, He said, ye shall have tribulation, or you'll have trouble. And when we get trouble, we know what's always at the back of it. We have sin is always the occasion for or the source of our sorrow. Somebody has done something wrong. It catapults into our life. It cascades into the areas where we are working. And maybe it's our own sin, but it's always, sin is always the occasion and the source of sorrow. And we have other troubles that come in, afflictions and trials and tests and everything else. But let me make this plain. The Christian is not immune from trials, even from, as we're putting it here, crushing, crushing trials. And they take the wind out of us, like the wind that goes into a sail. They just take the wind out of us. We're wondering, where do we turn? What do we do? How do we navigate our way through this? Those kind of trials, I'm sure you've had them in your life as well. And we're looking, as we said, at the story of William Bradford, the man who wrote the journal on his way over to the new world. He was looking for freedom to worship God. And he had to, he and his wife, they got on the boat, the Mayflower, but they thought, this is exploring here. That's what we're doing. We're testing. We're trying to see, is there a land that is worth going to? And so they left their young son behind in England, and they had the full intention, if we get settled in the new world, see how things go, well, we'll be back, and we'll be bringing our son with us on the return voyage. But that was a difficulty. No parent wants to leave their child behind. That was a problem for them that they had to navigate at that time. At the beginning, there were two ships, not just the Mayflower. There was another one, the Speedwell. Initially, they started out from Southampton, then later from Plymouth. And what happened was they tried out into the ocean, but they discovered there's a problem with the spring well. It had sprung a leak. And so they had to turn back and head back to the port at Plymouth. Eventually, they decided only one ship is seaworthy, can go. That's the Mayflower. The Speedwell has to stay back here at port. Some people, when they saw what was happening, they thought, and there was a lot more than 102 to begin with, they thought, we're not going on that. That first ship sprang a leak. What will happen to the second one? And so whenever they eventually set sail, there were only 102 hardy passengers that decided we are going, and as we mentioned, 30 crew members as well. So another difficulty. Now, if you'd been on that ship, you weren't going for a comfortable ride at all. In fact, 
The Mayflower had not been designed to take passengers. It was a cargo ship. So, you know, get all of these apples and oranges and cabbages and put them all in the crates and just bring crate after crate after crate and fill the ship. That's really what the ship should have been holding, and so it's not designed for passengers. And the 102 that came on board, they would have to make doom with cramped and chilly conditions on the cargo deck. Not only that, there were storms at sea at that time. They had been held back, the leaky ship and all of that. They didn't leave when they wanted to leave. And so eventually they leave in September of that year. By that time, the storms are beginning to brew up in the ocean. So you have rough waters to go through, you have biting conditions, and you have a lot of seasickness going on among the passengers. And that's not a pleasant thing. When somebody is sick, then somebody else tends to be sick, and so it spreads. And if you're in the middle of that, not a very pleasant experience. And on the way over the Atlantic, a young passenger was swept overboard, although miraculously he survived and he got him back on again, but a sailor perished during that journey. So 66 days going through storms at sea. This was not easy. Then there were other difficulties as well. We have a problem in that they didn't land in the place they intended to land in. They dropped anchor near the tip of a place called Cape Cod, but that was a way far north of where they were intending to land. They were trying to go to the place the Virginia colony had told them to go to, and they were aiming to dock at the mouth of the Hudson River, but because of a treacherous journey pulled off course by wind and waves, they were further up than what they intended to be. Now, given that mistaken landing, the pilgrims decided, we need a bit of a contract here, and they came up with what they called the Mayflower Contract. That was to make sure we're all banding together here, we're all singing of the hymn, same hymn sheet, we're all in this together. That was signed by 41 men, that compact, and they stated their intentions to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith. Now, they didn't have shelter on the land. There was a difficulty going off the ship because that area had been swept through by disease before they landed there, and they reckoned there's no cover, there's no village, there are no houses, there's no shelter. So the best thing to do is to stay on the ship and let the men go off during the day and let them clear areas and build places, and eventually we'll all be able to get off that ship. The fact of the matter was they were exposed there to scurvy and all kinds of contagious diseases, and what happened was Half of the people did not get through the first winter while they were staying on the ship because of all of these things affecting us. So it wasn't easy. This was mega difficult. Real problems abounded. Now we were talking about William Bradford. William Bradford, he and his wife had come. They'd left their young son at home. They were intended to go back for him on a future date. But you know what happened? Terrible, terrible thing. Adding to the problems and the pain, William Bradford's wife died. Tragic accident, fell overboard on the ship that was moored there, and was drowned. 
I am reminded again of what our Savior said in John 16 and 33, in the world ye shall have tribulations. What can I do as a Christian with God's Word before me when trouble and trial comes my way? I think of an old hymn written by a man from Banbridge who went over to Canada. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's always the way out. And the Bible tells us again and again, take it to the Lord in prayer. Problems, pain, send it in a petition heavenward unto the Lord. And that's what these people learn to do. So the problems and the pain in this world. Then secondly, the peace and the praise that we find in or through Christ alone. The peace and praise that we find through Christ alone. I need, in the middle of trouble, in the middle of trial, temptation, tribulation, I need to find peace. I need to get joy. I need a reason for thanksgiving. Where will I find it? Jesus tells me I'll find it in Him. And so again, when I read that word in John 16, 33, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Our Lord, it's not all black. There's great bright spots in this verse that in me ye might have peace, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And despite all the difficulties the pilgrims met with as they went to the new world, they had many reasons to be thankful to God. First of all, for those Native Americans visited, they were, from a, by a member of the Abenaki tribe. And what happened was they greeted them, believe it or not, in English. They knew English. There was a leader of the tribe came and met them. Then he came with another one, Squanto, from the Potuxet tribe. And what Squanto did was, he said, here's what you need to do. You're weakened here by malnutrition and all kinds of illness. You have all of these troubles. We know that. I'll teach you how to cultivate corn. I'll teach you how to extract sap from the maple tree. I'll teach you how to catch fish in our rivers. I'll teach you as well the poisonous plants that you need to avoid because if you touch and eat them, then you will die. I'll tell you what to watch out for. And then he brought him into contact with the Mampanog tribe, and he forged an alliance or a friendship between them, the new colonists, and this particular tribe. And so they got on so well with the tribe. For at least 50 years, things went very swimmingly indeed. But soon, next year after they went, in November of 1621, they had their corn harvest that came through, helped, of course, by that tribe who taught them how to do it. And so they had a celebratory feast, and they brought in the Native American allies that had helped them so much, and they're all sitting around the table together, and they're enjoying this feast, and it lasted for three days. That great festival, something to thank God for. And what this feast became known as was the first Thanksgiving in America. And of course, it has kept going down, and you can see the people gathered there, uh, those that came on the Mayflower, those that were already in the land, eating together and having some fine dining, we understand, because there was fowl, birds on the menu, they had deer on the menu, and many other things, but they didn't have the kind of stuff that 
keeps you running to the dentist week by week and day by day. And that's sweet stuff because they hadn't developed uh, the sweet stuff at that particular time. That would come later, and any Thanksgiving today is full of sweet stuff for sure. They had a second Thanksgiving celebration a couple of years later, 1623, after the end of a long drought. And then Bradford called at that time, we need to be thankful to God, to Almighty God, for all that He has done, the blessings He has given, and He called for a religious fast to accompany that particular celebration that year. And for more than 200 years, they had days of Thanksgiving celebrated in America. Then there was a lady And she wrote a piece that probably you will know, Mary Had a Little Lamb, Sarah Joseph a Heel, and she launched a campaign. And the campaign was this. She wanted officially this day to be marked in the American calendar that it would be Thanksgiving and it would become a national holiday. She didn't try once or twice or three times. She went at it for 36 years until eventually Abraham Lincoln said to her, that's a brilliant idea. And in the middle of civil war at the time, he instituted this day in the calendar as a national holiday, Thanksgiving Day. She, because of her campaigning, was called the mother of Thanksgiving. So there was reason to praise God for His goodness and for His benefits. And Abraham Lincoln asked all Americans to ask God to commend to his tender care all of those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of the nation. So in the middle of peace and praise, there is prayer going up to heaven as well. That's why we have Happy Thanksgiving Day in American Nine, and we have got, of course, our equivalent here, our harvest services. But our Lord said, and we noted this in the verse, in John 16, 33, be of good cheer. Now, Jesus said that not once in the Bible, the New Testament, not twice, but three times in total. And he gives us in Matthew 9, in the verse 2, good cheer, which is the good cheer of pardon. What does he say there? Be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, that's our starting point in a good relation with God. The only relation that can begin here must begin on the ground of God's forgiveness. Isn't that something we want, something we need to enter his heaven? Jesus brings the good cheer of pardon. Not only that, he brings the good cheer of provision. In Mark 6 6 and verse 15, we have the disciples, and they're out at sea, and there's a storm. So it's like being on the Mayflower. But they're on a storm in Galilee, and probably that's even worse because of the nature of Lake Galilee. And our Lord comes walking, and they think it's a ghost coming towards them, and they're terrified. But the Lord says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid the cheer of his provision, because when he came on board, the storm ceased and he provided for their needs. And then the third time, that's the text we have tonight. John 16, the verse 33, our Lord again giving a good cheer, and it is a good cheer of power. In the world, he says, ye shall have tribulation. So there's going to be the waves of trouble coming around you, trial and all kinds of distress. But, he says, but 
This is what changes it. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And in his overcoming arm, we have the thought here of power. The problems and the pain in this world, we all of those, that's for sure. The peace and the praise in Christ alone, not everybody has that, but it's essential. It's essential that we have it that will help us immensely in the trials and the problems of life. Then the final thing, the promise and the passion from Christ. The promise and passion from Christ. What we have in our text here is Christ's word, his promise. He is giving us a pledge here. Just like those coming off the Mayflower, and they ended up entering into a compact or a contract together. We'll support one another. We give our word on this. We'll be with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ has given his word, his promise to his people. And so he says here, in John 16:33 these things I have spoken unto you it is his word and his promise alone that helps us in days of darkness and he also points not only to his word but to his work his passion his cross work i have overcome the world how did he do that by dying on calvary conquering every force that was against him, overcoming the devil and sin and death and hell. He overcame the lot by that wonderful work on Calvary. I need that in my life, the benefits of this. I need to hear his word coming to my heart. I need to hear it every day. I need to feel the benefit of his work every day, the cleansing of his precious blood. It is vital to have these, and we can only overcome, not in our strength. Myself standing up trying to beat back the troubles and the trials in my life? I might as well go out into the middle of the ocean and try to stop the surging waves by holding up a little straw in front of them and telling them to stop. It won't happen. I can't do it by my own strength because I am weak. I can only overcome through Him, which is why I need His Word and His promise, His work and His passion to go with me all the way. Now, what we find here is that William Bradford and the colonists that went over to Virginia and Massachusetts, they discovered success. Bradford was elected governor of the colony for a period of 31 years, and he died at a venerable old age in 1657. They have called him a forerunner of literature because of his journal, of course. A storyteller of considerable power because he told many a story within that and also the father of American history. So he was no mean man and he accomplished mighty, mighty things, leaving an important legacy. I was thinking of a wee hymn today that I haven't heard anybody sing for a long, long time. And I struggle to find anybody even on YouTube. Usually, if you're looking for a hymn, an old one, and somebody to sing it, get into YouTube and they'll have a version of it. Well, I had problems even there. Some of you may recognize it. It ties in with what we're talking about, the great journey over to America, the new world, the journey that we have in life, difficulties, problems, wherever, here's the, the hymn, wherever I may travel, Wherever I may roam, I know with Christ beside me, I'll always feel at home. And if the day be shadow, or if the sky be gray, 
I know with Christ beside me, I'll never lose my way. Why? I walk with His hand in mine. For each day is a stranger to me. I'll kneel down and pray at each dawn of day and ask Him to care for me. I know not the way to go. I only know He loves me so. In sorrow and care, I know He'll be there as I walk with His hand in mine. I can only overcome through Him. I leave you with a couple of verses, and there we had the chorus, and you wouldn't have had to listen to me. You could have read it yourself on the screen there, a couple of verses, and that'll be Genesis 49, 19. Old Testament reference, first book of the Bible, Gad, one of the tribes of Israel, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome, promise, he shall overcome at the last. Revelation final book in the Bible. So, from start to end, same message, Revelation 17, 14, these shall make war with the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And I pray that every single last one of us and our families together will be the ones that are described in the final line there, those who were called, those who were chosen by God, those who are faithful to Him. And may we walk, therefore, through those difficulties and those problems, knowing I am not walking alone. I go with His hand in mine. And so we're back to what our Savior said in John 16, verse 33. Take it with you. Look it up in your Bible when you go home as well. John chapter 16, verse 33. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world.